Welcome to the Loose and Conversational podcast, everyone. Boy, it has sure been a while since we released an episode. After I get this one posted, I will do a quick blog about what's been going on and record that as a separate mini-episode. Ergo, I'm not going to talk about it now. Now, I'm going to do the intro for the excellent Xandar Kennedy and Gaston Morrison. My co-host for this show is returning guest Megan. She met Z and Gaston at a driving competition and convinced them to sit down with us. Megan is my co-host for this episode because Jen was out of town. I should mention that we recorded this episode in the middle of summer. So yeah, it's been sitting around for a while, waiting for me to publish it. Now, do you ever meet people who are so much cooler than you that you think your life would be better if you could hang out with them on the regs? That is these two people. Gaston and Z are stunt performers that drive drift cars for fun. They've been tossed off of buildings, crashed cars done crazy things in cars without crashing, worked in movies and television, performed in stunt demonstrations, you name it. Humble almost to a fault, they talk about their exciting lives like it's no big thing. But the truth is, I think many of us like to imagine having lives like theirs. I hope to start producing loose and conversational podcast episodes more regularly shortly. However, as the mini episode will tell you, I don't live in Edmonton anymore. I don't have a studio or a co-host, and I'm a lot busier than I was in 2020. I miss all of you though, and I will figure out how to get this going again soon. I promise. In the meantime, I really hope you enjoy this episode. Hit the music! Welcome to the Loose and Conversational Podcast. which was great for like two to three people, but then COVID happened like more severely. And so they went to like remote recording for a while, right? Yeah, remote. Well, we remoted until through the whole season. Yeah. Are you talking about when we were doing it from home? No, you're doing an interview too. Yeah, it was terrible. We had some good interviews because we were able to have people like Scott and stuff like that that we normally wouldn't have had. Right. But for around January, we were doing it at home from like our closets. Because <laughs> I read that your closet is a good place to do it. So, and I tried it and it was the only place in my house where there's no echo and it sounded good. But imagine sitting in your closet. And my closet's like my closet. My closet's not my girlfriend's closet. So like the clothes are all around me and I'm drinking. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's kind of weird. Well, I'm Gaston, and I'm not an alcoholic. Okay. That's too bad. Oh. <laughs> uh, I'm Zandara, and I'm on the fence. That means you're an alcoholic. <laughs> Depends on your definition. Unless you can boldly state, I'm not an alcoholic like Gaston, then. But there's nothing wrong with it. We're the last people to judge that. <laughs> yeah. I'm Megan. I'm definitely not an alcoholic, but I usually dabble in things other than alcohol. Like ah. meth. She, she has a bad meth problem. I, yeah, it's a problem. Are you psychonaut? Yeah. That's very healthy. Yeah. What's a psychonaut? I, I actually don't even know. What is <laughs> <laughs> I, people who experiment with psychedelics. Oh, oh I yes, am 100% yes, I am. one of those. Yeah. yeah. 100%. I don't, I don't even consider myself to be experimenting with. Yeah. I'm I, I think, I've, I think but... I've got it down. Are you? <laughs> you have a method? I, I do a lot of microdosing more than macro dosing. No, no. Same here. Same here. Yeah. yeah. yeah just to clarify everybody out there. I don't, yeah. I, I don't do like crazy amounts of mushrooms every, every day. I like, well, what do you do? Explain what you do when you microdose. I mean, microdosing is usually a sub-psychedelic dose, so it's just enough to Kind of take your brain out of the pattern that you're in and shift your perspective a little bit. It's yeah, very exactly. popular in Silicon Valley mm-hmm. with uh, high-performing people who want to be creative. The way I explain it is, uh, and I'm no expert again, I'm just a guy who drinks on a podcast. When you take psychedelics, mushrooms, I don't know what, I, like it's not like I'm mm-hmm. taking acid or anything like that. It's like your brain unplugs connections 
And I think the more that you take, the more connections it unplugs. And it gets to a point where it's had so much fun unplugging connections, it starts plugging them into other spaces. But the other, the idea is, yeah, you take just a little bit every, like every few days and you really do. Like, it's not like you get stoned. You don't, I mean, you kind of get relaxed a little, or I do, I get a relaxed a little, but that might even be placebo. I don't know. But yeah, like I guarantee there's, there's something to it. I haven't done it consistently, you know, multiple times a week to notice a consistent effect. But when I do it, I do find it beneficial for sure. So you're from, you're all from Vancouver. Yes. Are you originally from Vancouver? No. Where are you originally from? I grew up in Ottawa, but my parents are from South Africa. Oh, really? First generation. I was actually born in England. Really? And I grew up in uh, Vancouver, Surrey area and stuff. You see, so Surrey is the reason why I don't drink today. Because back in the Surrey days, there is extreme amounts of consumption of mm. the acid, cocaine, the hair, oh, you really? name it, you name it, we we absorbed it. So and you it barely swam back from the deep end and you're like, I don't want to go swimming no more. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I cannot go swimming anymore. So yeah, fair it was, enough. It was a hard time. Fair enough. The, uh, so before we get into what makes you guys interesting, just to tie up the uh, – because this isn't the psychedelics episode. It's isn't it legal? In, explain the legality of it in BC so, or Vancouver. I think it's kind of like how marijuana was for quite a long time, where it wasn't legal, but they didn't do anything about it. So they would open dispensaries, which were completely illegal, but the cops never went there. So what I've started hearing about in the last six months is people are like, "Oh yeah, I just went to the store and bought some mushrooms or bought mm-hmm. a you know microdosing chocolate bar or." capsules. So I I think it's gray area. It's not legal, but they're not enforcing anything. Yeah. Yeah. What I was actually told for Vancouver and greater Vancouver area is because of the, I guess, like addict population and Mm -hmm. stuff there that all drugs are technically legal within the Vancouver city limits. And so there's companies producing, like we, we got some from a friend, which was shroom juice and it was Okanagan Valley juice mixed with, um, what was it again? Um, I can't remember the strain. Anyway. Um, Golden teacher. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Golden teachers. <laughs> and so um, they, cause we said, we're like, well, isn't this illegal? Like how's, and they said, no, like in Vancouver, you can actually buy and sell it completely legally because they're just trying to like decriminalize the people who are struggling with addiction and trying to like, you know, not be in that way. Like pot was, I think within the, the next maybe five to 10 years, maybe it's not two to five, but I think the, the medical um, advancements and the the research that's going into mushrooms right now, and like they're being used for PTSD, they're being used for all these different things. I I see them being legalized. I think we're actually on the cusp. Like I think yeah. it will happen this year. Really? That's sort of what oh, I've yeah. been hearing. Yeah. Okay, let, interesting. And let me lay some truth on you. <sighs> You're trying to like fancy it up there. Oh, there's treatments and there's research, money. That's what's going into it. Yeah, but I mean, but then the pharmaceutical companies are going to lose money in certain areas because it is more effective than certain drugs, I think. Well, that's just who will end up buying everything up. Yeah. 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 Pharmaceuticals won't at all. Yeah. And the thing is, like, back in the day, we used to, like, just go out to the fields and pick our own mushrooms. We would sit in fields for hours and pick them and get high and pick them and, you know, right, just big piles of cow poop. And, you know, they're right there. That's the best place for them, you know, dig through all that. We'd wash them sometimes, but, you know, it depends on how high you were at the time, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, it, so it's hard to to illegal make something illegal that you yeah. can actually go to the field and pick, yeah. you know? So. Oh, BC's yeah. great for that yeah. stuff, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not that I have any experience with this, but maybe I heard it from a friend, is whatever these places in Vancouver that can just sell it through the door, they can also put it in Canada Post, and it'll just show up in your mailbox. <laughs> and I'm like, that's where the, the legality of it is. I'd like, I guess. 
But I, I, mean, I can't possibly they, be arrested for something I just take out of my mailbox. But you could order pot through mail before pot was legal too. Yeah, I guess. I like guess. I don't think that the drug scanners are going through Canada Post. I mean, maybe they are, and maybe there's people getting caught for it every day. But like, I mean, Canada Post is terrible. I, I don't. I don't know how many people were getting mail order bags of weed. You don't I, think I, so? I, you know, I ordered some online know. and got it delivered. Yeah. You know, nobody. It that seems I know. like an impulse thing. <laughs> <laughs> like you call up your dealer and well, a couple know. weeks after I got my delivery, apparently the delivery driver was stopped and the delivery stopped. So I don't oh really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But then it became legal like three months later. So yeah, but but my my dealer, my delivery person, literally is the Canada Post mailman. True. <laughs> and and I like I don't know what I was expecting because you order it and then I mean this friend of mine ordered it <laughs> and then sometime later as he or she was telling me you just go to get your mail and you're like bill bill flyer 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 I wonder what's in this package cuz I'd forgotten that it that it had happened you get home and you open it up and you're like sweet jesus and mary <laughs> it's like a bunch of mushrooms right so and then it's like well I guess we're having fun tonight but then yeah that's the one thing I've learned is you're right microdosing so it's it's fun to like dose or a little go over I mean kind of right like I'm a big Rick and Morty fan and I wasn't before I discovered this uh, but no. I think the Van Gogh exhibit would be like, Oh yeah. 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 Now that you mention it, but I, I, the microdosing, there is definitely <laughs> a benefit to it. Like there's definitely a benefit to it. And I don't think it's a placebo cause I used to have a really bad temper and now I'm like, uh, I'm like, what's his face? What's was the comedian? He lit himself on fire freebasing Richard Pryor. I'm like Richard Pryor. <laughs> I'm like Richard Pryor after he lit himself on freebasing. I have to remind myself that I have to be angry sometimes. I got like fake being angry. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it has a lot to do with the psychedelics, right? Like it's. Mm-hmm. And I can attest he's less angry than he was before. Yeah. Working yeah. with him for six years. Yeah. yeah. I, I've seen a difference. Yeah. Made me far less effective. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's me working with you and you just have less angry That's things to it. have. Chris just <laughs> rolled his eyes. He's like, no. By the way, we didn't introduce you, did we? Oh, yeah. I introduced myself. Oh, did you? Okay, sorry. That's how the psychedelics thing came up because I said, I don't usually drink. I usually dabble in other things. And then we. Oh, are you a psychonaut? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. yeah. See, that's half the problem of the, the drug dabbling is the memory loss. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've had – actually, I've had six concussions in my life, and uh, I can't remember anything. So drugs, yeah, I don't know. I'm getting up there in years. Yeah. It's about time. Yeah. Nobody will notice. It's not like I'm 18 and can't remember things. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, I guess in, describe what you guys do. All right. Uh, I am a stunt performer, stunt driver, precision driver, and stunt coordinator. And I drift for a hobby. Because I don't like money or free time. <laughs> That's awesome. I like how you said that so casually. Like, I, I don't know. I'm a stunt driver. I'm a stunt coordinator. I, yeah, I... So how did you get into that? Uh, very purposefully, okay. actually. Uh, some people, the joke is they fall into it. But uh, some, That's a some, good joke. That's a good joke. Yeah, it, I didn't make it up. It's, it's hardly original, which is why Gas didn't laugh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> comes up uh-huh. in every interview. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, no, I uh, I grew up doing gymnastics and trampoline and circus and uh, always thought I would go the Cirque du Soleil route. Wait a minute. Hang on, hang on, hang on. That all made sense and nobody cut out to it. You said I grew up doing like blah, 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 blah. And circus. It's related. Acrobatics. Mm-hmm. I could, contortion. We actually, so I, you were actually in the circus? No. Well, I trained at a at a club that did circus shows. So, oh, that's awesome. You know, I wasn't in a circus, but I did circus type performing. Cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It was, it was pretty cool. Yeah, we had our bets on gymnastics for sure. I look like the type. 
Well, just I figured you'd have to be really flexible and have lots of mobility. I mean, we work out a lot. So I, I recognize that like you're not going to be doing what necessarily I do in the gym because you have to be able to recover from a fall and not be injured every time. And someone that trains a certain way is not going to have that, whereas gymnastics or some sort of background is going to have your joints more flexible. And It's not always a good thing. Okay. I, I think some stunt performers, everyone's built differently. Everyone comes from a different background. Some people are martial artists. Some people mm-hmm. are professional wrestlers. As long as you have some kind of background that involves a lot of impact with the ground, usually, yeah. is, a, is a good basis. Uh, for me, the flexibility has meant I've had a lot of dislocations. Oh, okay. Could be yeah. a disadvantage. Then. Okay. So what's, what's the worst injury you've ever had? Uh, <laughs> I've had a few. I've dislocated my elbows, I think, oh my God. 10 or 11 times. Uh, and then I uh, I have a, a plate and eight screws in my wrist. That one was pretty bad. My arm was fully S-shaped, but I got it. Oh, a, my God. What were you doing when that happened? Something silly. It, it, was, it was not a crazy complicated stunt. Uh, we just kind of got tangled together, and uh, somebody very large got dropped on my arm from eight feet in the air. Wow. Yeah. What what words did you say when it happened? I think something's not right, but I could go again if we need to. Wow. <laughs> See, that's that's stunt ment- stunt performer mentality 101. It's like, yeah, oh, put me in and your your arms twisted, your legs pointed completely opposite direction, but yeah, I think I can go again. Wow. <laughs> it's like And where no, does where does that come from? Like it just you just feel pride and you want to get it done or your adrenaline kicks in or I think we're deeply driven by the desire to please others. <laughs> Uh, honestly, all I felt in that moment was disappointment that I might be disappointing someone else. Like it was not a concern mm. for my own well-being. I think a lot of us are that way. I don't know, Gassy, yep. the same way. Yeah, yeah, very much so. It's you. You feel you. You've been you've been put in this position to do this job. Now you've got to execute the job, and 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 any failure to do that is your yes. shortcoming. So you really want to, you know, if, if it's a if it's something's broken or you mislocated or something, anything's wrong with your body and you think you can still go again, you want to hide it and, and just get the job done because you want to execute what you've been hired to do. So It's funny though, because you both described very different things because she described being worried about other people and you just described finishing a task. They run along the same path. Though. But it's so, interesting because not everyone, like I think you, when you're in that mindset, probably you both have different things going through your mind, which is both getting it done, yeah. but for totally different reasons. Cause she's worried about disappointing people and you're worried basically about disappointing yourself of not finishing that thing that you signed up for and that you've committed to and that you want to. Yeah. Fulfill. But that involves the whole team. About, okay, that involves okay. finishing the task because that's what, everybody's expecting of you. Okay. And that's what the director, your producer, your, your, your stunt coordinator, everybody's watching, waiting for you to get this done because you've been Mm -hmm. hired to do this. You don't want to disappoint. You want to make sure you execute what's been, you've been tasked with. Okay. Okay. And that's, that's basically professionalism. Yeah. Right. Wrapped up in this horrible desire to please people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, we haven't introduced Gaston yet. Yeah. He, he introduced what he does for a living. Oh yeah, no, he didn't. He yeah, that's right. Gaston, introduce yourself. Well, I'm Gaston Morrison, and I do stunts for a living. Um, I fall on my head, is what I like to say. Um, (laughs) That's that's why my memory is not so good sometimes. No, it's um, I have a background of of martial arts. So you know, um, back when I did martial arts and and kickboxing, it was at a time when concussions were really not talked about. So you know, it was definitely a you know not a thing. You'd spar, you get you know, your help, your bell rung and it'd be like, let's go another couple more rounds. So it's not, yeah, there was virtue yeah. in ignoring it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Being better than exactly. it. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, I'm good. I'm good. And it's the same mentality. Yeah. Put me back in coach. I'm ready to go. Um, so the martial arts sort of 
was my segue into the film business. A dear friend of mine, Ernest Jackson, uh, another black stunt performer, such as myself, because it's a podcast, you don't know that I'm black, but um, uh, a <laughs> black enough. stunt performer, yeah. such as myself, says, hey, dude, we, we need, this is, you know, this is back in the 90s, right? Early 90s. We need more black stunt performers in the business. You should seriously think about getting into it. I'm like, uh, yeah, we've been working on that for I don't know how long, and I just didn't have the right avenues and the right people and the right connections. So he gave me some basic things to do of extra work and resume and, and uh, you know, just handing stuff out, getting to know people. And you get into the business, and, and eventually it starts to take momentum. As it did, I kind of got into motorcycles. And motorcycles were my next sort of high point because I, I I just enjoyed doing them so much racing motocross and riding stunt motorcycles um you know uh it's like i had a cbr 600 that we do wheelies with and we learned, oh, started awesome. started doing live shows with it and stuff and it was just it was very much like my world of kickboxing where i just started training at a club and that's what brought me out of that life of drugs and alcohol as i was talking about earlier brought me out of that lifestyle and I literally went under the wing and, and under the guidance of this gym and Dennis Crawford and, and everybody f- who trained and fight, fought at the gym. And I eventually made my way up to being a competitive fighter, won titles, so on and so forth. And and as I did with motorcycles, I just enjoyed riding them so much. I just ride, rode all the time and practiced all the time, fell on with a group of guys that were doing the same thing. And then the next thing you know, we're doing live shows and we're doing that all the time. And then I ended up getting broken and, and uh, uh, broke a leg a couple of times in some live shows. And that that kind of slowed me down quite a lot there. So that's kind of why that segued me into cars. So now mm-hmm. I do cars and stuff. So as Xandar's arc of her of her world and stunts goes as well, I you know martial arts, uh, motorcycles, cars, falls, and different things. And, you know, oh my it's, gosh! It's, it's all like and, and even you, you say that so casually. I know. And I'm like, oh Jesus, H Christ. Yeah. By the way, you don't have to keep looking back at me. For those of people who can't see us and are just listening, I'm sitting behind Gaston, I know, and he keeps looking backwards. Just it's just yeah. the, the uh, it's it, it's it's the uh, the mentality to address the crowd. I know you, know, you got to talk, you got to talk, yeah. you got to make eye contact yeah. with everybody. I never realized it when I it's it's and in case anybody's wondering why I'm sitting behind Gaston, it's because we have four things set up. We usually have three, and this was kind of sort of last minute. And his headphone cable isn't long enough. So he's <laughs> and, just a few feet in front of me. And just in case I say something wrong, he can bonk me on the head. Yeah. yeah. No, I can beep you out. Yeah. Listeners know I can beep. So it's funny how you say that. So like, ah, and I got motorcycles and I race cars and stuff like that. So, and one thing I don't know is the relationship between you two. That's an interesting one. It's funny because it depends oh, on- Oh, Jesus Christ. I thought it would be asked. like a quick yeah. answer. No, it's funny because it depends on who yeah. you ask. Because we worked on some shows together and the producers were like, why are you hiring Xandar so much? Is there something going on? Is she your girlfriend? Is something going on with you guys? I'm like, no, no. Is that a, no. But is she your girlfriend? No. No. Really? No. We're, oh, my God. The way you we're, just said we're that, good, we're, No, we're good friends. And and, and uh, uh, Z's my hero, and she's awesome. But uh, but we're, no, we don't we don't get down like that. Oh, two podcasts <laughs> so, to go. So would you, guys, would you say you guys are friends? Gaston, yeah. I, I'm gonna. He's gonna be really modest about this. Gaston is one of my mentors. Gaston has oh, okay. really supported and uh, and helped me grow in this industry. Uh, I really started learning to be a stunt coordinator from Gaston when I was assisting him, and he really set me up for a lot of the success that I've had today. Uh, I really admire his career path, the way that he interacts with people. He's he's really somebody that I look up to. Oh, that's fantastic! And, and now she has completely exceeded <laughs> me and my expectations <laughs> and gone beyond and left me in the dust, thinking, "Wow." I wish I could be that good. <laughs> You're both out of Vancouver and Vancouver shoots a lot of movies. So that I imagine that helps. So what movies 
And I guess when you do stunts, are you generally in movies or what do you do? When you say I do stunts, because I'm ignorant of it. So I, I assume it's movies, but I don't know. It, it would be kind of anything that's filmed. So TV, movies, um, I guess that really covers it, TV and movies. Yeah, well, and, and I mean, there's live shows. We, can, we play with live shows as well. So that's also stunt performing because a lot of the uh, film working stunt performers have come from live performance, whether it's Cirque or whether it's like a stunt show in Hollywood or wherever. But that's sort of a bit of a segue. And, and, and it's funny because... I've kind of reverse engineered that, that I, I've been doing stunts and I, I seem to grow into these skill sets of like the motorcycles. And, and, and then I end up going to, going to do live shows after I'm already a stunt performer being paid where the guys who actually do the live shows as stunt riders, motorcycle riders, they're all itching and craving to get into being doing film. And it's oh, sort yeah. of, so I'm sort of reverse engineering everything. It's a little bit weird that way, but. It's like you just fall into a passion and love doing what you like to do, right? So wow. are you a fan of The Flash or were you on The Flash? I was on The Flash. Um, yeah. I uh, I helped coordinate one season, just kind of dabbled with the guys. And uh, it was Which at a time. Season? Sorry? Oh, Which season? Uh, <laughs> like, we watched The Flash. It was so. like season two or something okay, like that. Okay. But um, yeah. it, was a, it was a long time ago. Yeah. When the guys first got the show going, it was like – I was invited to be a part of the team, the coordinating team. I have a couple of kids at the time. They were quite young and um, – it would just on being on one of those CW full time, it's all consuming. It takes your life over and you don't really get to see your family much. So I kind of stepped back from it a little bit with, with those guys. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's a great team over there. Like that's John Kralt who runs out over there. He's sort of like the, the team leader for Flash, for his stunt coordinator. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good team. But I've just done some performing. I've done some bike stuff on it. I doubled one of the guys for some motorcycle stuff, you know, falling off a few things and gotten beat up a couple times, you know. Yeah. I have a quick motorcycle question because mm. I ride a motorcycle, but I'm obviously, uh, in case viewers don't know, I'm a big guy. There's no way. I've tried to ride sport bikes twice in my life. It's just not mm-hmm. going to happen. And uh, I've, I have a, a cruiser. Can you wheelie a cruiser? You can. Depends on the cruiser crown of wheelie. Like, uh, there's a couple guys uh, from the Lords of Gastown. Um, riding crew that they actually have some sportsters that they've been doing full stunt shows on. So they'll, you know, do wheelie them up, do circle wheelies. I don't think they can really roll much for stoppies on them, but... Uh, oh, there's no way but, I could do a stoppie on mine. No, no. They're, yeah, the big machines are tough to do that. So, I mean, it's, it's it a, depends it's, on it's, it's not a Harley because I'm, I'm an anti-Harley guy. Mm-hmm. But I've always wondered, I'm riding it. I, I actually used to have, like when I was really, really young, I had a Yamaha, a 550 Yamaha. It was called a Vision. One, universally accepted as one of the worst motorcycles ever made, <laughs> but I loved it. It was my first motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. And I'm really, I know I'm really bragging here, but at the time I worked in a mall <laughs> and I was just leaving work and I saw, I was married at the time and I saw my wife. She was, not only she was there, but she had somehow her brother and her uncle, they were all talking in the parking lot. So I see them. I'm like, Hey, how are you guys going? And, and stuff like that. So I thought I would wheelie my bike Uh-oh. because I'd been practicing wheeling my bike and I thought I was really, really good at it. So I like, I really wheelied it. Uh-oh. And uh, I was like, this is fuck. I look so cool. I look so cool. <laughs> and then, and For a then, brief second. Yeah, I was so <laughs> enamored with how awesome I looked. When I landed it, put it back down, my wheel was still turned. Uh-oh. So I did, that's when I learned what a tank slapper was. And Uh-oh. then I crashed. And, and I had only been out of the, I had had a, an issue with my blood that put me in the hospital for like two weeks. And I was oh. only a week out of the hospital. So everybody freaks out. And I jump up and I'm like, hey, I'm okay. And the cool thing is, it's the only scar that I still have. Uh, so that is a long story to segue into. Do you guys have scars? Oh, and when you guys get together, when stunt people get together, do you show them off like in the movies? Well, sometimes we compare war stories. 
you know, uh, yeah, I've got more scars than I'd like to admit, but, um, what's your best one? Gas has a really good one. Uh, I guess the most obvious one that's like, it's actually good bags. It's easy to hide, but once I bring it out, it's like, whoa, you know, it's, you're, you're <laughs> pausing like you had a testicle ripped off. We're all, we're all super curious right now. It's pretty close. You'd I only have think, one ass cheek now. You'd but. almost think I did. Um, I mean, we're on a podcast, but I don't know. You can kind of, I'm taking my boot off right now and I'm pulling my sock down and on my ankle, there's this huge, Oh my! you can kind of see it from oh a, my a long distance away. It kind of looks like it was one of my testicles pulled off and actually Yeah, it was sank all the you. way down to your ankle. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So what, what caused that? Well, that's, that's a bit of a story. So this is a motorcycle. Once again, this is, this is the one that sort of pulled me out of stunt riding. Um, <laughs> the was, ankle uh, testicle was it for you? <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. I was, uh, I was working on a new trick. I was getting to the point where I was... Um, I don't know if you're familiar with any stunt riding trick, but it's called a high chair. And we did, I was doing a high chair 50-50. So that's when the bike's doing a full like 12 o'clock wheelie. You're sitting on the on the handlebars. And I've got my left legs over the front of the bar and my my right leg is behind the bar. So on the throttle hand, my my right my right leg is behind. I've seen it a thousand times online. Looks pretty easy. It, yeah, it's a piece <laughs> of cake. So I'm doing that, but I'm, I'm doing that in a circle wheelie. So the circle wheelie is, is a technical trick where it's basically you're wheeling the bike on the back wheel and you're going around in a tight circle in the radius of about, I don't know, eight to 10 feet. And I'm getting better at it. I'm getting caught. I'm getting a little cocky and I'm being aggressive with it because I'm trying to grow this trick. I'm trying to advance myself. And as I'm doing that, I'm blipping the throttle a little bit harder and I'm coming around, I'm getting my circles and I get two or three circles and wow, I hit the throttle one hard time in the back wheel skips out from under the bike and it comes down on a flat pancake and traps my leg, my right leg in between the pavement and the cage that protects the bike. The oh, motor. geez. So basically there's no room in between that except my, for my leg. So it just, and I don't know if. And are you practicing when this has happened or this, this is, crowd this is practicing. This is practicing time and a lot off sort of just with a couple folks and, and uh, a couple other riders were all doing our thing. And that's, that was most of my time was spent in the summers, just in lots practicing doing stuff as the bike comes down it, it it lands on my on my ankle and splinters the ankle and they call that a pylon fracture so it's a fracture when the uh the bone is broken in half but then the lower half splinters into multiple into multiple fractures into the ankle into the ankle joint oh god so now the problem there is now the ankle joint is is now fragmented so all the joint all the bones that go down into that actual piece of articulating joint is all jagged and rough and, and messed up. So, and so you went to the hospital and they were like, Gaston, we're going to have to turn it into a testicle. Pretty much. <laughs> well, no, actually it, it was fine at first. It was actually kind of a cool scar. And I was thinking, Hey man, this is a good, <laughs> good story scar. Cause it was just a zipper straight up the front of my, my shin. And, uh, I'm like, oh, okay, that's fine. But you know, the doc, they put me in for under for hours and you know, emergency hospital, right. in Richmond. And they put screws all through different angles into my ankle. And at the time I came out of the hospital, everything seemed relatively half decent. I didn't have the testicle on the ankle. Mm -hmm. Um, not yet. And, and I had an appointment with another orthopedic surgeon who was looking at, I had an appointment previously set for my knee just by chance. It was just something that had happened in life. The, I, me, I had a, that's another thing that happened on motorcycles was the ACL had been blown apart. So I was going to follow up appointment on that. And he couldn't do anything for the knee injury at the time. So he said, well, what's going on with the ankle? So when he looked at it, he, we did x-rays and he found that there was screws that were going through the where the ankle articulates. So the emergency doctor just 
randomly rattled screws into my ankle and and it would have i would have ended up with a with a fused ankle out of this deal and he says you know i says well how do i avoid that he says well we got to come in for surgery tomorrow we got to pull everything apart we got to put some new hardware in wow. he says okay well let's do it and doing that they have to cut a big hole in your skin because it's very thin skin down there. So they cut the big hole in the skin and they have, there's also a um, cosmetic surgeon who comes in. Oh, he Cos- did a good job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, if you know what he had to deal with, I mean, but the cosmetic surgeon, he takes a um, a lump of muscle. He cut open my inner thigh and took a took a lump of hamstring. And the hamstring goes onto the, onto the patch. And then um, he takes a, a skin graft from the, front of the thigh. He puts that on top and he pulls a vein from somewhere. I don't know. He pulls it out of my body somewhere and puts that in there, weaves that all in and sews it all up and fixes it, fixes it. So that's called now a, um, a skin flap that they can, they can make it better. They can shave that, that lump grotesque lump down. But, no, but then it wouldn't be a story. No, nah, I know. And then it wouldn't look as good for me to yeah. sort of pull it out and say, hey, yeah. what about this? I'm gassed on. I'm the man with three balls. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I end up uh, short a, a bit of hamstring and some a little uh, patch on the ankle. And Do you and- feel it? Like, does it bother you day to day? It would be a lot worse if it was, you know, the uh, if it was... Uh, fused ankle that's for sure oh yeah for sure then for sure. I, you know i wouldn't be able to do anything but now i can i can run stairs I, you know i can do some degree of running i'm definitely not 100 percent from what i was before you know i'm not going to compete in any kickboxing fights or anything like that but um you know yeah it's 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 relatively good it cool. gets me by i have a i have a bad leg and i never thought of it until i was just listening to you now because it looks terrible when i wear shorts i should blame that for being a big guy when people say, oh, you're a big, big guy. Yeah, it's because i got a bad leg. I can't run. I can't do <laughs> no. Zendara, do you have a scar? Uh, I don't, actually don't have too many. I just have the one scar for my S-shaped mm-hmm. arm situation. Megan, do you have a scar? Um, That's a no. No scar stories. You <laughs> yes, have right I have away. one on my chin, actually. That's oh, the only one. Oh, a chin one that, scar. Yeah, I fell on flat ice when I was about... Like I would say probably eight or nine. Um, we were like public skating with my gym class. Like it was just something like, and I just fell and I fell on flat ice, but it, I fell so hard that it just literally snapped my chin open. And so like it was bleeding pretty profusely and I have a blood phobia. So I couldn't like, and I even told them, I said, please don't show me. So I just had to hold this here and then keep asking like eight or nine. You were eight or nine and you were like, please don't show me. Well, I was like, just mm-hmm. like, just let me hold it. So I like had a cold compressor or something on my chin. And then like the moms that were watching the public skating, I'd be like, so how is it now? And they'd be like, oh, I think you should go to the hospital. <laughs> and so they waited for my mom to pick me up and she went, took me to the hospital. And it was the only time I've ever had to get stitches. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's a good, that's a good segue. Mm-hmm. How many times have you guys had stitches? Oh, dear. I mean, again. Not- and when you need to get stitches, say you're on a TV or a movie set and you need to get stitches. Do you have to go to the hospital like us yep. nobodies or is there a guy there who does it? They don't have a guy there that does it. Oh, but- really? No, we're, we're shipped off to, to the hospital and usually costumes will try to, to rip the clothes <laughs> from your body before you go. <laughs> yes, but, my li- but my leg's pointing straight up and down and, and I can't breathe. Um, but yes, here's your costume <laughs> yeah. back and your wig. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be fine. Don't worry about me. We can't guys. have Flash showing up with a broken leg. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny that stunt performer versus like, I, I worked on um, Maze Runner, and there's oh, a, there's that. a point where the last one where the actor got injured, and man, they shut the set down because it was mm-hmm. it was it was a pretty bad accident. Moving okay. vehicles, he fell off the back of the vehicle. It was a it was a bad thing. Uh, and you know the hair and makeup, they were counselors, and everybody shut down. We're gonna shut the production down. Everything this is so serious. 
if that was a stunt performer, it would have been like, <laughs> oh, he fell off there. Drag his ass out of the way and let's Quit keep crying. shooting. Come on, yeah. man. It's like it's the difference is like it's it's actually it's concerning. It's it's yeah. really a shame to be honest because it's it, that's one thing that kind of gets me a little about film business is you know it's just such a hierarchy thing mm-hmm. that you know. Some guys, story. yeah. Some guys, it, it, yeah. And the actor gets hurt. It's big deal. When yeah. stunt guys get hurt, you sort of just shuffle them off the side. I, I don't think anybody has ever looked at the acting business as like, that's a good way to run a business. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> no, I mean, they, they do usually say, oh, we're going to do this one with the real people. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the real people being the yeah. actors. Yeah. The, the yeah. stunt people are... Yeah, just, just the stunt people. But uh, when I when I broke my arm, they actually said, "Well, we're going to keep the ambulance just in case anything else happens." And so they sent me in a shuttle and just kicked <laughs> me out in, of the door. They the put you in an Uber. I'm, yeah. I'm actually not kidding. They just put me in a minivan. <laughs> yeah. And then the guy was like, "Okay, well, here's the hospital." And my arm was literally S shaped. And I walked in. I was like, uh, "Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's good though." <laughs> but yeah, they just. Uh, oh, yeah. Were they, we are not equal. But at the hospital, were they impressed that you were a stunt person? Uh, I didn't tell them. And, you know, I have a tendency, I think we all do, to downplay it. So they didn't send me to Emerge. They sent me to Fast Track where I waited Oh, really? No, not me. I, I don't downplay anything. <laughs> yeah. So do you both have, uh, a, like, a favorite stunt that you've done? Is there a favorite, you know, action or even whether it's motorcycles or vehicles or well, what's your favorite? You know, like the family's getting together and you're like, hey, I got to show you guys something. I, I I go back to what in my mind and world makes a stunt performer. Mm-hmm. And that to me has always been the high fall. You okay. See a guy fall multiple stories from the sky, fall, <laughs> and then, you know, obviously in the movie he dies, but what happens in reality is we either have an airbag or we have a set of boxes. And people often look at me and say, You fall into boxes? And actually boxes are some of the most forgiving things to fall into rather than an airbag. Cause you hit the airbag in a wrong angle and you get into bad trouble. You hit the boxes in a wrong angle and it's like, oh, you just, you know, get up and dust it off. As long as you hit the box rig properly. But either way, it hurts, right? Or does it not No, hurt? no, 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 it shouldn't hurt. And that's, that's the funny thing about doing stunt work is these big elaborate stunts, you roll cars, you blow things up, you get set on fire, you jump off a building. Those are not usually the ones that hurt. It's the ones that... Hey, dude, or um, hey Z, why don't you just go over there and trip and fall down over there by that, by that, uh, by the, you know, by the carpet, and you know, fall on your head over there. Those are the ones that you do take after take, and they're like, oh, no, we just don't got it right because the actor is doing something over in the corner and he's missing messing up his dialogue, <laughs> but the stunt performer is over here and he's part of the scene or she, and they're falling over and they're busting their elbows and busting their knees and backs and stuff. And those are the ones, A, you don't get paid, and B, you get hurt twice as much for them. And, and C, they're just, there's no glamour in them. You know why, what I mean? why don't you get it's paid? Like, well, because it's a small stunt. It's a small thing. Falling down on the ground versus falling off this high building into a box rig where, you know, you've probably got, you know, you're padded up, you've taken precautions, you've rehearsed it, you've got, you know, yes, if things go catastrophically wrong, is going to be bad because you're Yo, probably going to die. I guess yes, the risk, right? right? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. If things are executed the way that you know we set them up and the way they should be, then you're just going to fall into a nice cushy surface. You're going to get a great adrenaline rush, and you're going to be like, you know, and everybody's going to clap and say, "Yeah, man, that was great." Oh, yeah. You know, and pats and high fives, and it's it's a thing of beauty, right? But you know, like you you get up, you you know, you go to work on a night shoot, and you you're out there at three in the morning and being told to fall down on the concrete, and you kind of just got kicked out of, you know, they pull you out of your trailer because you haven't been used for anything for the last five hours. They pull you out of your trailer, you're half drug, you don't know what's going on. Oh, what you want me to fall over there? Okay, sure. Oh, 
ah, <laughs> I'm getting hurt. And you're hurt for two weeks. They, you, you've written the day off and they're like, guest on, get out of exactly. here. Come out of here. We, Melissa McCarthy needs to kick you in the balls 20 times. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's funny. I, I've never been in the movie industry or anything, but working in, I used to work in a hotel where we'd get a lot of movie shoots. And the, the craziest job I ever saw in movies is Leonardo DiCaprio has a guy who looks like him, is the same height as him. Photo double. Yeah. And yeah. and they will set up a scene and the guy will literally just go stand there and they'll measure him and do all the stuff and yeah. get everything ready. And then they will be like, okay. And then Leonardo will come and do the scene. He'll leave. And then the other guy will come back in. Yeah. yeah. And the, the craziest thing was this guy fucking partied oh, yeah. and, and he did everything. <laughs> and the funny thing was from a little bit of a distance, because everybody at the hotel kind of knew Leonardo DiCaprio was there. And they would look into these things that were like movie only. And they would see a guy who's like, oh, my DiCaprio right yeah. over there. Meanwhile, he's like secured away and locked away. And I'm like, you know, that gig, that's pretty good. The next job I always thought would be cool would actually be stunts. But you guys are making me think maybe there's a downside to it. <laughs> hey, but you know you know what a funny stand-in story is there or, or photo double is I work with Eddie Murphy. Um, that's actually the show I did a high fall on, uh, I Spy. Did the high fall oh, that's on, awesome. On Budapest. It was great. Good deal. Did you actually but, meet him? Oh, yeah. No, no. We worked with him. He's, he oh, was, that's yeah, awesome. He was, I, I got along with him great. Not everybody did. But it's, you know, Eddie Murphy. Is it Murphy, because you're black? Um, was thought, that the difference? We thought no, 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 definitely not. Um, I just, would, I just would, said that to would, make make he, it uncomfortable. <laughs> he would dislike you know anybody for any reason. Um, and, you know, and, uh, um, but because I, I was his stunt double, you know, we could talk different topics. You know, we could talk fight talk and talk different things, right? Because he was a fight fan and stuff. Oh, that's cool. Um, but um, and and I thought it was cool. But like I say, you know, he had a big security entourage, and part of the reason, like my theory is that is that talking to his his photo double who was looked just like Eddie but from a distance the photo double's got great stories you know he's telling us about the times when he went into the club and dudes would think this was Eddie yeah and they come after him but they want to fight they're not like what? hey Eddie high fives they're like Eddie you stand with my wife you dirty motherfucker <laughs> he had to run out of multiple clubs because people thought he was Eddie and he was like he was in Big trouble. That's crazy. So, so now you can see how a guy like Eddie Murphy, who you know, who's yeah, got this stuff going on in his life for real, why he runs around with an entourage of people because you know people <laughs> don't always like fame and fortune. You know. So, so Z, what's your favorite stunt? It's tough. Uh, I have a favorite stunt that I got to be there for, which was uh, a stunt that Gaston did. Actually. No, it has to be one that you did. Um, f for me, that my favorite stunts are the ones where uh, I, di I did a stunt uh, for a show, and it was a high fall where I had to hit a railing in the middle. The director wanted it all in one shot, and I fall back, and I hit the railing, and then I kind of flip over the railing, and I hit the ground. You wanted it all in one shot. Again, and, you uh, say it so casually. <laughs> I mean, Like, you know, how do you it, hit a railing? It With care and <laughs> aim, I guess. Uh, my background is trampoline. So something that I'm pretty good at is hitting a target with the right part of my body in the air. Um, but it was one of those stunts where the way that we had rigged it, because I was on wires, they decelerated me into the railing so that it didn't break my back. And then mm. I kept going. It was kind of all up to me. I had to push just with my toes to get over the railing. And then uh, if, I, if my angle was wrong, the rig was only set up so that when I hit it with my back, that I, it would slow me down and the quick release would allow me to keep going. So if I went head first, I would just break my neck. And uh, <laughs> it, it, it was one of those stunts where, uh, you know, there was no warm up because it was, the rig was set. We just had to do it. And uh, 
it was kind of one of those moments where I was like, okay, well, this is entirely on me. Either it's going to be amazing or I'm going to be seriously injured. And uh, for me, those kind of days where the, the pressure is really high, but you manage to succeed, the, the feeling when you go home, it's a high that, I mean, Gaston, you know what it's like, but oh, yeah, uh, it's, it's impossible to describe. But there's definitely moments in the beginning before you do it where you're like, why did I make the decisions I made that got me to this moment? Because right now I don't want to be here, but uh, no Gaston did a really cool car crash on a show that uh, he was coordinating that I was helping him out on. And um, it was a really fun crash where we were trying to get, uh, he was T-boning uh, Chevelle, I think. This was on ice. Yeah. yeah on ice. Yeah, yeah. And we found these, uh, these things called drift skins, which you put inside or you put around a tire and they're just basically like super slick plastic. And we were trying to calculate, he was basically going to slide and then hit this car and we wanted it to spin. And we were trying to calculate how many times is this car going to spin, but he had to kind of slide in as he was hitting it. And, uh, he nailed it in the very first take. And, uh, one of my other mentors actually came up and was like, that's a driver right there. Yeah, you cool. know, it was that's super cool. cool. And I, I got yeah. to call action because, uh, Gaston was driving. So I was the coordinator. That's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah you can't sometimes. see me right now, but my jaw is literally on the floor because <laughs> this is just, I so, can't sometimes. imagine this being a day at the office. Like that's so cool. Yeah. Sometimes you get lucky. Those days come with a lot of pressure because yeah. they're asking you and they want to place cameras and figure out exactly where things are going to go, how it's going to happen. What's going to, where's going to, where's this all going to happen? Mm-hmm. And you're kind of like a lot of sometimes a little bit of bullshit going on. Oh, yeah. yeah. So oh, I, was yeah. Just, I was just thinking, I'm like, there's no science. Right. Yeah, like, I don't know. There's so many factors that come into those things. It's like, mm-hmm. you just kind of look at it and say, okay, well, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> just for fun, you hold up a protractor. I'm like, okay. <laughs> we do have yeah. a game we play uh, when someone else is doing a car crash or a cannon where we uh, everyone will place their – their rock or their item for where the car is going to land. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. cool. But it's, it's always a guess. So now your hobby is drifting. And that's interesting because when we first started talking, I don't have a fucking clue what drifting is <laughs> like i thought i did but how did you get into drifting does it help sharpen your skills is it just like purely a hobby or yeah we're both shaking our heads yeah. yes yeah, yes we're, we're, it's we're definitely both nodding yeah you're both like <laughs> yes it is uh well it's convenient for us because technically it's training for work which means we can at least write off the oh, stupid amount of money we excellent. spend on it um i can't speak for gaston he was drifting long before i started but uh i as i got into stunt driving i I did every kind of various driving training that I could do to try to become better at the job and uh, kind of expand my resume. Wait a minute. Is that a thing? Like you answer, like you look in Kijiji and there's an ad or how do you become a stunt driver? Like how do you? I started as a stunt performer who had started training driving early and I recognized it as a specialty I wanted to get into both because women have a very short career. Like the, the peak earning years of a female stunt performer, I believe are age I think it's 25 to 35, whereas for a man, it's actually 20 years. But for drivers, your, your body doesn't have to be in the same shape. You don't have to be as uninjured. It, it has a much longer career path. So that was part of the reason why I started getting into it. But how did you, like, how do you learn, for example, even the idea of taking a car and uh, we could go do it in the parking lot. We could like speed through it and try to do like a 360 or something. I have no fucking idea how to do that. I know how to do it in the middle of winter. In like a Dodge Omni in 1987 that has a handbrake, but I would have no idea how to make a modern car do it. So how do you learn how to do it? 
Well, there are um, there are a few schools out there. There's a pretty famous one, Rick Siemens Motion Picture Driving Clinic, which has been around, I'm going to say, for more than 30 years now. Rick was kind of one of the original stunt drivers, and every stunt driver has Rick's school on their resume. It's <laughs> basically a rite of passage for every stunt performer to go to Rick's school. So that's uh, a good place to start. As a non stunt person the most amazing thing about it, that is that he kept the name Siemens <laughs> <laughs> you know now that you mention it <laughs> yeah so uh, we, we start there and then uh, the, the people that are passionate about it usually get their own cars and s- start training we have a, a group of drivers in Vancouver that uh, we rent tracks and we do track days and we kind of push each other uh, Gaston and I and a few other drivers also train together and kind of as many other things as we can okay so that's that's interesting so you rent a track day what car do you use? Like, do you go buy like a $700 thing that's at the end of its life from Kijiji? So, or do you have a car? Or So the, the one thing we should note about the history of uh, stunt drivers, sort of, you know, I guess Vancouver stunt drivers, is um, to be a stunt driver, you know, you do these courses, as Zandar mentioned, but there was for, uh, you know, up until probably 10 years ago, or five years ago, maybe everybody would have their own secret spots they would go to in a warehouse complex or something like oh, that. Cool. You'd cone off an area and you go hit marks and you just practice your craft. You practice what you learned with Rick because there was really no place to do it. Tracks wouldn't even look at us. A mission didn't wouldn't have anything to do with us. You know, nobody was going to travel to like Penticton or or to the island or anything like that to any of these other tracks that were actually places where you could drive cars. It would be this this top secret club that would, you know, few of the guys, few of the main drivers in town would all get together, you know, and call up on a Friday night. Hey man, let's drive on Sunday night, Sunday morning, you know, if it's going to be rainy, we never all meet up in these little secret spots. And sometimes cops would show up and they hey, shut you down or, or, you know, usually we got along pretty, pretty good with them. We'd have a good story for them or something, but you know, and then um, there's a few of us that started to uh, realize that as stunt performers have been doing this for so many years, why are we hiding out in the back? lots of warehouses and stuff so we organized and got us some, some insurance and we got you know talked to a bunch of uh, locations and we found some places to actually go set up and drive and insure and rent and we got a group together and zandar has been helping with the group and we've all been doing all that, that stuff so that's sort of a little bit of how we've all sort of evolved and grown as cool. stunt drivers in in vancouver at least i will say though that the finding your spots and practicing on your own, it's still a rite of passage. Yep. I still tell every new person, well, go find your spots. And they always ask, where can I go? And I'm like, that is up to you because I don't share my spots. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> I want to cool. be able to keep yeah. driving them. And I have some actually, yeah. I, I still do that. Yeah. yeah. I, I take my my 14 year old kid out and we kind of slide around some lots and stuff together too. Cause the, the, the group, the organized group is a little bit of, uh, you know, the seasoned performers and the people who are actually have some stunt credits as drivers. Those are the people that are involved in the group. Whereas like Z saying, if you're new to stunt driving and you want to sort of get in there, then you need to actually go out on your own and sort of pursue this and get yourself good enough to be able to come join the big group because the big group's doing lots of hot sequences that, you know, we don't want somebody who's going to not know what they're doing or be timid and get smacked into or something. Right. That's cool. So what do you drive when you do this? Like what kind of car do you like? Uh, do, do you, is, is it like, do you have like really expensive cars you do it with? Do you have like something you literally hope lasts the evening or what kind of car do you uh, use? Most of us have practice cars. So a really popular one is a crown Victoria. The yeah. cop cars, they're very oh, durable. Yeah. Uh, I started with an 87 Crown Vic and 
when I got rid of that thing, no part of it was straight anymore because I did <laughs> all kinds of things with it. But uh, you know, and how long did it last? Four years. Oh yeah. And probably. would you drive it there? Like was oh, it yeah. plated? Oh yeah, that was my daily and... driver. It was oh, all I could afford. Oh, that's so fucking so. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know that car got me some practice. It got me. I filmed enough stuff that eventually the stunt drivers group was willing to invite me out to their practices, and that's how it is. That's how it starts. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Cool. So everybody who's listening, what you want to do is you want to go buy an old crappy rear wheel. Mm. Is it better if it's rear wheel drive? They each have advantages. On on set, you'll get some of each. My my new thing that I tell all aspiring stunt drivers is go buy a Mazda 3. They're like $1,000 on Craigslist, especially if they're manual. And if you don't drive manual, you shouldn't call yourself a driver. Agreed. <laughs> agreed. And, Callie, uh, Callie, if you're listening, that's my daughter. She listens to everything. <laughs> See? My daughter, when she started learning to drive, we we... Her first car we bought her was a manual. And at first she was like, why the fuck am I doing this? And now she could drive a manual and stuff like that. So Callie, we'll get a manual three and we're going to turn you into a stunt driver. You know, the, ah. the, the handbrakes work. You don't need to do any modifications because with the, with the Crown Vix, it's a several thousand dollars to put in a, a secondary brake system, which we do kind of like the drift cars. We put a second caliper and a foot pedal in the Crown Vix that... Oh, that really? locks up the rear tires specifically so that it's consistent and predictable. And that's often what we'll have on set as well. So yeah. it's the opposite of the brake lock that we used to put into cars in the 80s where you would have that little thing you turn we've, and then the back brakes wouldn't work anymore. We, we've actually used line locks. Line locks was uh, uh, preceded the actual stunt brake um, and the evolution of how cars are rigged and prepped. It was So the line lock, like you said, it would used to lock out your um, your fronts so you could spin the backs. What we would do was we'd lock out the backs so that we can actually, when we activate it, only the front brakes would work, or sorry, only the back brakes would work so that we could hit the button, back brakes are activated, slide on that, put on that main brake, and then you could slide the car around wherever you wanted to get it to. Cool. Um, but that, it, it's limiting because you don't have the ability for your front brake. So um, in a perfect world, the actual, the, the hydro brake or the stunt brake, that's the preferred option. That's, that's, the, that's the way to go. So you drove around, your daily driver was a car that had this. Uh, well, my 1987 Crown Vic didn't need it because it had a cable e-brake that you could adjust. So the older cars, the Caprices, the old Crown Vics, all you had to do was tighten that cable e-brake and it was good enough. That's awesome. But as we got to the newer ones, it got more expensive. Yeah, disc brakes put a stop to yeah. that. Well, the uh, the newer Crown Vicks, they, you can adjust them for a while, but then it, it loses adjustability. Eventually, it's it, too loose. It all burns out. Yeah. 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 yeah so then, then that, so this, did this stunt driving turn into drifting? For me personally, anyway, as I wanted to build my skills and get better, I, I took many courses. I took rally courses and race courses, and uh, I took a drift class, and it's kind of like heroin. Drifting. <laughs> and I gotta say, I've watched them both drive and they're both amazing drivers. They're so fun to watch. Like Gas gets so close to people. Like his proximity and his aggression is is so fun to watch. And Z's like her lines and her consistency is like she's just really fluid. And when her and my husband had a battle last event, it was just like it was so fun to watch because they have somewhat similar driving styles. And her car is actually his dream car to build. So it was fun to watch because they're similar driving styles, but she's just such a great driver and such a good driver for him to be pitted against that it was it was great. So with drifters, when you said his the dream car, I, I, I've never heard of these cars before. So what do you drive? I have a Nissan 350Z. Oh, I've heard of that Z, before. Uh, but it has a Corvette engine in it. So an LS3. Z drives wow. the Z. Yeah, yeah I like that. <laughs> 
So did you, did you put the Corvette engine in it or did uh, you just, I did. I actually, did you just find that one day or <laughs> no, I, uh, this started out super innocuous. Uh, I, I was just like, Oh, you know, I kind of want to drift car and I'd had some bad luck. Uh, that's how you learn is by having bad luck and extreme uh, bad luck. Be, being ripped <laughs> off by people. Gaston calls my previous drift car, Christine, because of the number of times it's caught fire. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I bought this car at a, at a dealer that would take my credit card and started sort of turning it into just a stock drift car. And I, I brought it to Montreal with me because I was working there and um, I was at a shop there and they had a, an LS swapped Porsche. So a Porsche with a Corvette engine. And uh, I started talking to the guy and he's like, why don't you put an LS in your car? And I was like, why don't I do that? And so I, I kind of got on the internet and I, I found this company in New Jersey that made swap kits for the 350Z for LS3s. So I called them up and I was like, what's the deal? Uh, like, how much would this cost? And do you have deals for broke stunt women with that make poor decisions? <laughs> and <laughs> and that, that kind of started my relationship with this company uh, named LJ Conversions. Uh, Steven, who is a, an amazing guy, he's an, an ex-engineer for the military, and he's just really passionate about putting LS engines in Nissans mostly. Uh, so uh, I sent my car to him, he swapped it, and it turned into this thing where uh, okay, well, I'll, I'll help you out a little bit with a swap if you go to this event, LS Fest. And that's where I met Chris. Oh, cool. It was this uh, basically huge festival only for this engine in Las Vegas. So, Chris, why doesn't your car have an LS? <laughs> it does. Oh, it it's does? LS or nothing. Yeah. It's a Nissan body with a LS engine. Yeah. Did you buy it with it? No. I realize he doesn't have a bike. No. But- no, you, you swap it out. And, and it is in. it pretty straightforward? Because it seems to me like the bolts would be relative. different. And- uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the kits help. There are a few companies that, that are making kits and, and some people fabricate their own parts and their adapters uh, between the engine, whatever transmission you want to use. Uh, it's a very popular thing to do in drifting. It's one of the most popular engine swaps because oh, really? it's, it's very predictable power and they're meant to be very reliable engines, which is why I wanted to go that way after mm-hmm. my previous. So how, how many horsepower does your car have? On a difficult dyno, currently, <laughs> it ha- it has. I think it was like three ninety on, oh. on on a very tough dyno. But uh, it's my second engine. I, I blew the engine. I think just over a month ago. Oh wow! Yeah, ago. a week before the last event that we were together, she just blew her engine and rebuilt it before the event happened. Oh wow! Yeah, it's very inexpensive sport. Yeah, yeah. 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 It seems it Budget, seems like a, really. it seems yeah. like a pretty reasonable hobby. Yeah. Z's been through so many motors and so many cars. It's unbelievable. <laughs> if there's anybody that doesn't that deserve doesn't deserve more <laughs> to be on the podium because of the amount of time and money that's been spent on cars, it, like it's crazy. Awesome. My suffering has gained me a lot. It's yeah. gained me a lot of allies. It's gained me a lot of support. Yeah. I've learned a lot. That's I'm good. Grateful yeah. for it. And she so, did podium last event, yeah. so it worked yeah. out. And and the saying is, you got to pay to play. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know, I have done that. Yes. Yes, tenfold. Yeah. Okay, so I'm curious, and you kind of touched on this a little bit about your physical, I mean, well-being and fitness and things like that. As a woman, especially, it's kind of reduced, I guess. I mean, we can disagree, but that's what the industry says. Mm-hmm. So, what do you? What does your fitness regime look like other than work? I get asked this question a lot and I'm always embarrassed to answer it because I have an ideal of what it would be, but uh, it is very hard for me to manage my time with the number of things that I do. So I, I think I'm a fairly active person. I try to manage a lot of my health through diet. Okay. But is there things that you work on specifically just to make sure that you're like ready and like can go when they say go? Uh, back when I was performing more than I am now, I definitely did a lot of fight training. I tried to keep active with yoga. I've never really been a big fan of running. 
Okay. A lot of people do, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, a consistent for me, consistent fight training was a way that I could stay motivated. What is fight training? Well, training in a martial art. I I'm particular to uh, Filipino martial arts are kind of my favorite, but, uh, I also really like Muay Thai. So I would, wherever I was, I would try to go and train at a couple of cool. different martial arts gyms. So now it, what Z is saying is because she does more stunt coordinating now, it sucks the life out of you. Right. It's like you're yeah. there all the time. When you're not there, you're there because you have to be on your computer. You got to be prepping. You got to do something. It's yeah. just like, yeah, it's, it's all encompassing. What about you? How do you still fit and like ready to go in case you need to go? I don't take a look at me. I'm in horrible shape. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no, come yeah. on, man. <laughs> no, I, like, yeah, I, I, I come from a world As where As he flexes I, his pecs over there. Yeah, yeah. No, I, no, I come from a world where I used to kickbox and I used to train. And I was, like every daily was my daily routine of training for fighting. And, mm-hmm. You know, so now I'm like, I get stuck behind a desk and a computer and it's just like, I just feel horrible. But um, since I finished my last job, the scriptures, John Cena and James Gunn directing and, and, uh, which, Wait, it was which called, is, it was called the scriptures. The scriptures. Yeah. You'll see it. It's coming out. It's, I thought it's James Gunn and, and John Cena was suicide squad. Yeah, yeah. Suicide so they, squad. They, they no, it's, up again it's, then. it's the, uh, it's a sequel to that. Oh, oh fantastic. Cool. Yeah. I'd like to say they're all great guys, but they, I didn't have a good time. Okay. <laughs> I'm on the record saying that. So I don't know if they're going to listen. Well, to I, I think, but I didn't know. Oh yeah. Time. They're listening to this. I don't know if goes to John Cena. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, the Nathan Pavilion, the Nathan Fillion civilian pavilion is a real thing now. It actually happened today. So I heard on the radio yeah. that it City Hall has renamed itself the Nathan Fillion Pavilion for a day. C- civilian pavilion. We have this problem. No, no, they're waiting till he comes and takes a selfie with it. Apparently, oh, for God. that's the city of Edmonton. <laughs> we we for have this you. problem where we have all these like things in Edmonton named after like people who oppressed Indigenous people, and they're like, "Well, I don't know if we could like change the name of one to this thing that everybody would support." So we're going to do it for a yeah. day. Because eh, Nathan Fillion's from Edmonton. So there's, there's Although I literally, I hate to say this, family. I literally have no idea who Nathan Fillion is. I, I, I uh, actually don't either. No, all right. <laughs> He's in Suicide Squad. Uh, yeah, uh, I yes. guess we'll learn. Yes. yes and yes. Firefly, but and I've never Firefly. watched yes. Firefly. Yeah. So. Um, and the movie you were in, Guardian. Is that what you said? Oh, I, I wasn't in the movie. No, that's that's the uh, uh, Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, Guardians of the Galaxy. That was That's a James Gunn show. That's, that's, that's the... Um, that's another James Gunn. Mm. No, but which one did you, did you say you worked on? No, oh, scriptures. scriptures. Oh, scriptures. How yeah. the hell did I get yeah. Guardian out of yeah. that? That's your concussions. But yeah, but yeah. it was you know it was like the shows were so busy that you're you're you just don't have any time to do anything else, and it's just it just bleeds the life out of you. And you're you know every time you kind of want to get up and train, like I train. I'm a morning guy. Get up, do my thing in the morning. I feel good. I move on with my day. Mm-hmm. I get up in the morning and it's like, oh my god, I got to get this done. I got that done. Oh, okay, I, I, I'll just I'll train another time. So that would that happened for eight months. <laughs> so, so do you get tra- do you get paid like per project or hourly or like how does your contracts work with that when you're a stunt coordinator? For they're, example, they're all every contract will vary to some degree. Depends on how busy the show is. Depends on what kind of deal you negotiate. Some guys will be on a full time deal. Some on a part time deal. Some prefer a part time deal because then you can go off and do other shows. Do you know go on do go driving? Do have some other fun? Do some other stuff? Mm-hmm. Some guys need to be on a full time deal because it's you know, maybe you get paid a weekly rate, you know, but in general, we're very expendable. So, you know, you may be working today, but something happens, you may not be working tomorrow. So, mm-hmm. I mean, our contracts don't encompass us being dedicated to the show or being employed by the show unconditionally right. until the show's over. You know, in general, yeah, even when you negotiate a deal, it's, it's a handshake deal that you're, you're going to work for this for the duration of the show. Okay. And then, so for example, if you get injured or 
well, I guess these are two different things. If you get injured or let's say they cut the stunt and they decide not to film or not to put that into the final cut, you still get paid for that then? Still get paid. As a performer, you still get paid. Yeah. Okay. It would depend on if they cut the stunt two weeks earlier or they cut it, you know, or they change the day. You know, there's a whole whack of union rules that encompass how and why you get cancellation pay or you get paid that day. Or So you guys that. are in a union as well then? Yep. Yeah, we're in the same union as the actors. Are, oh, okay, actually. cool. Yeah. Oh, Even cool. though you're not the real people. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we're lesser humans, but yeah. we're still in their union. Okay, that's good. You don't talk, you just hurt yourself. I, I talking is the hard way. part. Yes, yes. <laughs> talking is the hard part. It truly it is. Yeah. You don't know. It's, it's, it's a famous thing for stunt performers, you know, producers and directors that don't let the stunt guy talk. They can't act. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty common. But there is actually quite a few good acting stunt performers who can sort of get on through it, throw a couple lines and fall down or, you know, be that cop that comes into the, into the shootout. Hey, you stop. And you get blown up or whatever. And there's some guys who can actually hold their own, like in big dialogue scenes, but it's very, not very common. And how do you find work or does it find you? At the beginning, uh, heavy marketing, networking, uh, a lot of uh, unanswered emails, resumes, sending your photo to people. Hey, this is me. This is what I can do. Love to hear back from you. Love to come out and help you for free. What used to be a thing. I mean, now with COVID and with insurance, there's not so much free helping anymore. But back in the day, that was what everybody did. If you wanted to meet a coordinator and, and kind of let them see who you were and maybe want to give a chance to you, uh, that, that was how it was. But it's, it's all self-marketed. And in other places, stunt people have agents, but in Canada, we don't. Oh, you don't? No. Do American stunt people have a really good medical plan? They have a better medical. They have one of the, some, I can't speak to exactly what their medical plans are there, but they do, they are insured better than most. Because I mean, I imagine being in Canada would be a benefit to yeah. you guys to be able to just go to the hospital if you need to and go get treatment if you need to. Whereas like, if you were doing that in the States, I imagine there would be some some issues if you were to get severely injured and not have the proper insurance for it, yeah. right? Injuries yeah. for stunt people are, are a major issue. I'm not sure if you heard of the the woman who got injured in South Africa on Resident Evil. Um, she had a motorcycle accident with a with a picture a camera vehicle and she lost an arm. Wow. And uh, a lot of productions, when they go to places like South Africa, they go there because they are trying to save money. And so she wasn't covered by their insurance. Production has never paid her a cent. And wow. she's still oh my fighting goodness. for that. Uh, here... In Canada, although only, I think it's BC and one other province are the only provinces where we actually have access to workers' compensation. Oh, okay. Everywhere else, there is a specific insurance the productions have to buy. The kind of caveat there is that it's, you get a maximum of two years of coverage for the entire length of your career. So you, if you get an injury once that puts you out for two years, you can't have insurance anymore. And it's wow. a zero li- it's a zero fault insurance as well. So you can't go after the production for that. I had a friend mm-hmm. who was... She was dropped from like 30 feet almost onto her face and she broke both wrists and um, she ended up having to go through the insurance. But it, it was really complicated because there there was some negligence that happened and long term she's still kind of suffering the effects from that. But uh, mm-hmm. that, that trade off of having any insurance at all is that you can't really go after a production company for long-term damages. That sucks because um, I got to be honest, any situation where you get dropped 30 feet on your face and you break your wrists... It's not like you have to prove the negligence. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it, it is complicated, right? There's always, there's timing, there's elements, there's wires, the mistakes happen, timing errors happen, and it's not necessarily 
you know, the guy who made the decision at the production company, the producer who said, let's do this stunt, who was the one that made the error, you know, so it, it is complicated in that sense. But I feel like insurance companies exist for a reason. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you would think. so how long do you see yourself working in stunts for? As long as possible. But how long is that? I mean, I really, most days I really love my job. I Oh, I can imagine. It seems pretty exciting. <laughs> like it seems pretty cool. The, 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 pl the planning can get, can get boring, but uh, it, it's a very rewarding job. Does it though? Because our jobs get boring. <laughs> I think every job has its has its perks and its downsides. Maybe it's like relatively boring. It's yeah. like we're gonna throw Gaston off a building. <laughs> oh God, this is. Are we doing that again? This yeah. is not what I signed up for. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Gas? You've um, already got the testicle ankle. <laughs> I, I'm I'm getting to the point where I'm looking at I'm looking looking down the road of retirement. You know, <laughs> I'm looking. I'm enjoying being out uh, uh, ripping cars around tracks, and, and you know. I, I, until I'm probably in my grave, I'll always enjoy to come out and, you know, turn a car over or crash it into my buddy or, you know, or. Yeah, or, it's got to be addictive. It, 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 it's good in that way. But I think uh, the the lifespan of, of being able to be in an office and, and run shows until you're until you're into your elder years, I think that lifespan is a little bit shorter, to be honest. It's funny because. You know, as a as a performing stunt performer, as goes out and falls down on sets, you, you can only really sort of fall, do high falls and kick people in the head and do triple flips on a off a trampoline. Is you can only do that stuff for so long. So that that is definitely has a as a shelf life. As you get into your elder years, you know that's where we want to like Z saying that's where we want to be able to drive some cars and do some lighter duty work. And, and yeah, that's, that's cool. And that's kind of that's the fun stuff because you can come out and be the old guy on set and or girl on set and you know and drive a car and hit a mark and do your thing. Right? So so it'd be, it, there gets to be a point where there's a little more finesse to it. It's not just about hurting yourself. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm at the age right now where it's like it's like you're saying like I. I you're like, oh, I'm getting at the age where I can't really throw myself out of, off a building and I can't do this. And I'm like, I'm at the age right now where when I wake up, I have to give myself five minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I got to do that too. Yeah, it's like, me. I can't oh, stand yeah. up right away. <laughs> we definitely know some guys that have to start their day with 15 minutes in a hot tub where they're not walking. Yeah. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. And how old would they be? 50s? 50s, 60s. Oh, in their 60s. Yeah. That's okay. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's not that bad. Yeah. I was worried you were going to say like, yeah, they're like 38. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there are those guys. Some guys get some bad luck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the other stunt guys, Leaf, who's one of the driver guys who we work with all the time, uh, his his uh, he, his injuries are starting to add up. He's he's one of the stunt guys who will uh, want to deny his injuries, and and he's a really low key kind of guy, and he just wants to go there and, and very much do his job and hit his marks and do his thing. But there's this one time we were doing the forty four hundred, and I was throwing him off. I'm coordinating the show, and he's jumping off of a off of a uh, probably a ten foot drop into the water. And the way he was getting thrown in there, he's going kind of onto his side. So he's landing sort of the profile of his head. And he comes up out of the water after one of the takes. And he's like, hey, gas, listen to this. And he plugs his nose and he blows. And all I can hear is, <laughs> and I'm like, dude, is that your eardrum? He's like, yeah, listen. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not good, man. You can't, you're like, like, he says, no, it's okay. Don't worry about it, man. We're just going to go again. I'm like, no, 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 no. Oh, my goodness. Dude, you got to go. Get your uh, go to first aid. Get this looked at because you know yeah I you can't bring that to me. You know we're buddies and everything, right? But I says, <laughs> I'm your boss. Now this is my job, and I gotta you know I'm worried about your ear. I don't want you to have an infection in your ear. Go to the 
go to the doctor and, and get it figured out. So he's very much like that. And, 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 uh, you know, doesn't want to show his injuries or anything. So I think he, he you know, he too is going to be one of the guys that, that will lean back on the driving stuff more so than being, you know, a performer hitting the ground all the time. I mean, cool. Leaf's also kind of known as the motorcycle crash guy though. Yeah. Like, I think he must, must have several minutes of motorcycle crash footage. Yeah, I, that's know, and, and and ugly footage. Yeah, it, ugly it's, footage. Like <sighs> like stuff where we've done stuff where he goes rolls the bike into a stoppy and then comes to a cable off. So as you as the bike's up in up in the nose wheelie, oh, yeah. then it, it comes to a, an abrupt hard stop because it hits the end of the cable. Boom! And he flies off the front of the bike and into into another. I think we did one where he flew into a car. Yeah, that was in motion at the same time, and it's just. There's been a couple of them just been ugly racks where there, you lock up the There's one like that, wheel. and I think Indiana Jones 3 with uh, Sean Connery. And I like I like riding a motorcycle, but even back then, I remember a guy, there's a guy, they're chasing Indiana Jones, and a motorcycle does that. It does this insane flip way high in the air. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't imagine how they do it. Yeah. So yeah. how the hell Someone's does that? Ugly. So Leaf will like, they'll come to him and say like, here's what you're going to do. You're going to give you a stoppy. You're going to hit a cable, and you're going to flip up in the air. And he's like, okay. Well, uh, you know, the funny thing about it, is is quite often the conversation will go something like this. Hey, Leaf, we got this, or whoever to talk to, hey, we got this gag where this, you know, we want something cool to happen on the bike this behind. Gag. Yeah, you know, <laughs> we want something cool to happen behind the bike or behind the car. And, you know, we want maybe, you know, some sort of crash. What, what do you think? And then, you know, Leaf or one of us will come up and we'll be like, oh, well, you know what we could do? And we're our own worst enemies because we will sell our bodies and our souls to do a cool stunt in a heartbeat. It's like, dude, you know what we could do? We'll put the bike up on the nose wheelie because we want to do what we've been rehearsing and practicing because we go out in the lots and we practice yeah, like, I could do this. Mm-hmm. And we're thinking all the time about when we're practicing about what we could, how this could evolve into an actual stunt on the film. And okay, so what we can do is we can put it up on the nose and then we'll cable it off and then it'll be cabled just before the car and I'll fly off the front of the bike and I'll land on the car, smash into that and then fall onto the ground. How's that? And like, okay, let's do it. And next thing you know, there there we are doing some stupid crazy. Next, next thing you know, like, you're using up your two years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're in the you're in the hospital claiming your insurance, but uh, you know, and, and yeah, and and stuff like locking up the front wheel and just sort of sliding it out. And, you know, do it. Like, those are the ugly ones. Just you just get slapped to the ground. Because on a motorcycle, you can put some knees and elbow pads on, but you're going to the ground. And the bike might be going on top of you. The stuff that's going to happen is so unpredictable. Bike stuff, it's it's basically where I have a grocery list of injuries. That yeah, that's a little because I ride a motorcycle. And when, when I'm riding it, sometimes I look at it and I'm like, like cars are designed to get in accidents with. Like they have crumple zones. They have this. They have that. Motorcycles are all like chrome and doesn't this look nice and God forbid you should get hurt. Oh, yeah. Like anything slightly goes wrong and you're basically getting flung into asphalt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. start to go off the rails <laughs> so we'll start to ask about and i i worry because gaston hasn't been drinking at all you're switching to soda water because you've got something going on tomorrow if you're on a movie set do you interact with the the celeb- like the, the main people the actors yes and to varying extents it sort of depends what your role is so if you're doubling somebody you would absolutely usually be on a conversational basis with them because you're often the one who's giving them their pads or explaining them how to do the stunt and have the, you have you guys abortion. done that for anybody notable? Gaston, he's had a uh, few. You keep yeah. giving Gaston. What about you? I, I think.
think Gaston's got a more impressive laundry list than I do personally. Well, we could start Uh-oh. with yours and then go to Gaston's. <laughs> yours is pretty good. I, I, I... Well, now now I'm on the spot and I can't really think of anything. <laughs> uh, I, I would say that one of the the most genuine uh, individuals, well, one of, uh, was Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. How the hell do you double Anthony Hopkins? <laughs> uh, you see? You're Actually, far younger wanna, than him. If, 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 you, if you've ever heard of Jennifer Morrison, that's who I doubled. <laughs> she's an even far, she's even bigger stretch, which is not, which is a bit of a no no. So dudes shouldn't double women. That's bad. I, I digress. Pornhub would disagree. <laughs> hey, we are going off the rails, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but Anthony Hopkins was a true, was an absolute gentleman. And we were just, uh, we worked on a show called The Edge together. I was doubling a different dude, Harold Perrineau. We were doing a gag where everybody was crossing a log and we were kind of running across this big log, open river below. And it was all dangerous and scary. And Anthony Hopkins was so impressed with us just running across his log. It was like, geez, boy, it's just your jobs just the things you do are just so great i'm like mm, you're sir anthony hopkins what i do is just <laughs> running across a log dude that's not really that big a deal i said you're like a knight um you know so um thank you i don't know running across a log is pretty hard like if i saw anthony hopkins being anthony hopkins i'd be kind of impressed but come on he's been anthony hopkins for a long time running across a log uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're minimizing it. That's that's what's so cool about you guys is you minimize. You're like, you're like. So anyway, I take my motorcycle and I I do a stoppy, and then there's a cable, and then I'm asking for this. I remember I did that once, not on a motorcycle because I'm not crazy. And uh, but I I remember I was a kid and I had a BMX, and Mm. we used to do that thing where we'd stick our toe in the front tire. Oh yeah, do stoppy. Yeah, Yeah, do a stoppy. And I was practicing and practicing and practicing, and then I was going to show off because I knew how to do it really well, and I had some friends. And I did it in front of them. And not only did I do it way too hard because I overdid it, I landed in a bunch of garbage cans. So what every every time you guys think of doing this stuff, I'm like, that is like me landing in a bunch of garbage cans, which I cried, and uh, like times 10,000. We, we usually so, put those garbage cans there on Yeah, those, those are what yeah. saves oh, us. Oh, the garbage cans. They, <laughs> so, didn't, they didn't help me, yeah. So, were, David, I'm detecting a bit of a theme here. So when you were a child and you were showing off on your bicycle – and you crashed and got hurt that didn't actually register to when you were an adult and you were showing off in front of your girlfriend doing wheelies on a motorcycle. No, 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 and you no. got, so that, ne- that never, that never sort no. of crossed over. No, I'm a typical guy from Saskatchewan. I'm not that bright. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was camping a couple weeks ago and I got an infection and I had to go to my doctor. And it was the third time I've been camping and had to go to my doctor afterwards because something went wrong. And he was, he was laughing at me and this wasn't my fault. I didn't do anything wrong. I just, got I got an infection he was like but didn't you uh he goes didn't it, your dog bite you a couple years ago and I'm like yeah 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 I was camping and my dog bit me he goes and didn't you hit yourself with an axe at one point and I'm like <laughs> yeah 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 I hit myself with an axe see I wasn't doing this on purpose to impress anybody they're just things that happened to me oh I turned your mic off sorry I'll try that again but they were also at the same campsite right uh yeah all the same campsite yeah mm. yeah you should pick a different campsite i will i will never go back there. it's mm. cursed ground yeah Ziner campsite just out in pigeon lake i'm never going there again no. unless i went with you guys and then you guys would make me look silly wouldn't that be awesome if we all went camping together and it was like who can do the dumbest thing at a campsite ah. but you guys wouldn't be doing it dumb you guys would be like mapping it out and planning it well that's the thing Dave was, you know, back in the day, we used to do a lot of wild stuff. We would go to Vegas, we'd party, we'd throw ourselves downstairs, we'd like <laughs> roll cars, like rental cars, and we, you know, it'd just be, it'd be gong show. And, but I don't know, I find these days we're, we're definitely a lot 
it's a different environment. It's a different world where, you know, probably if we were camping, I don't know, you wouldn't really catch us setting ourselves on fire or anything like that. Probably more like. <laughs> but imagine if you did. It would, be, it would be kind of fun. I mean, I would probably be the one who is in bed, to be honest. <laughs> Pretty boring if I'm not working. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a few kids out there that are still running wild in the streets. But, you know, if you've been in the game for a little while, you kind of. So are you ever like just, you're not working, you're just driving down the street. So your daily driver, what do you drive, Sundara? Like, what do you drive if you're going to Walmart? Are you going to, just driving around, what do you drive now? A sprinter van. Really? Yeah. With a hammock in it. Oh, that's, Jesus Christ. You're like, oh, I just drive a sprinter van with a hammock in it. What do you, what do you <laughs> drive, Gaston? It's cool, though. She's got a cool sprinter van. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. It's got dualies. It's black. It's got a big. Oh, really? Okay. So, cool. so if you it's were cool. driving down the street, could you like drift that? Uh, you know, I've never tried. It's probably too expensive to fix. <laughs> <laughs> what do you drive? So wait a minute. That's the last thing I was expecting you'd say. Why do you drive a sprinter van with a hammock and dualies? I can go anywhere with it. I mean, I can fit motorcycles inside of it. I can tow my race car with it. I can sleep in oh it. Oh my It's a very goodness. versatile vehicle. Holy moly. Yeah. Vans. Once once you go van, That's like you don't the best back. possible answer I've ever heard. So how much can it tow, do you know? 7500 pounds. So it couldn't tow it like a camper trailer. Well, some of them are like Some of them. Yeah. That. Oh, that's yeah. cool. I mean, I can tow my race car in an enclosed trailer. I definitely tow more than 7,500 pounds, but that's what it's rated for. What's on the side of your van? Do you have anything on the side of your van or is it just like one color? It's it's black, but I do have a ladder on one side. Oh, no. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. I had, this, I had this idea like there was a big wrapping of you like in a... I, I, try, I try to be pretty low-key, pretty oh, stealth, you? you know. So what do you, what do you drive guests on? Completely purpose-driven uh, pickup Dodge Ram. Oh, there you go. So do you ever, do you ever, are you ever like, you want to like, you're just driving somewhere and you're like, I need to drift this around a corner. Cause I gotta be honest, if I knew how to, I drive a truck too. I would, I would do it like at least once every time I drove somewhere. Well, <laughs> I, I, I do have, I just, I did pick up an actual BMW as a little daily driver thing. And, uh, uh, that, that's a little bit more along the hooligan mm-hmm. side of things. Um, although I don't do that cause I do have a couple of kids, but that being said, back to the truck in the truck, in the winter, when the snow comes with the kids, hey, hop in the back, boys. Let's go for a ride. Oh, 100%. <laughs> oh, yeah. In the parking yeah. lot, they love yeah. it. Yeah, in the parking lot here, yeah. I put it on rear wheel. I turn the traction control off, and I, I mess up all the snow. Oh, yeah. Before, the truck I had before this was like an older, I don't know, I think it was only rear wheel drive. And my daughter and I, who was obviously younger at the time because this was in the past, every Christmas day we would take her driving. And then one day I showed her how to do donuts, and we did donuts until I blew out the power steering. <laughs> That's the right way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I should confess, awesome. I also have a, not by choice, uh, Barbie pink mm. uh, 350Z that is oh, that yeah. is street legal. And uh, I, I do daily drive that, and I have a hard time behaving in that. How do you have, <laughs> how do you have a pink 350Z not by choice? I, it used to be white, and then I, I rented it to a TV show. And uh, the picture car guy said, oh, we're going to wrap your car. It's this really nice pink. You're going to love it. And I was like, that's not a sentence. <laughs> that's actually just not a complete sentence really nice pink is not a thing and he brought it back to me and it's it's like a it's like mary Kay or or pepto-bismol colored but uh you know they spent a lot of money to make the car look like that and so you don't like the pink oh i hate pink it's my least favorite color like oh, really? i would probably pick shit brown over pink but uh <laughs> it, it gets a lot of attention so i get a lot of you go girls i get a lot of little girls pointing at the car and well that's nice I mean, isn't it, it? it's kind of nice and it for drifting i mean drifting is a lot about style points marketing attention so i won't get rid of it 
because it's obnoxious and it makes people look at it, but it, it, it does kill me inside every time I drive it. Yeah. <laughs> Piece of me dies. A couple of weeks ago, I went camping with my girlfriend and her sister and we were at this place and, and they decided to buy these matching sweatshirts. So we'd all have the same sweatshirt and they're like, do you like the sweatshirt? Should we buy it? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. That's cool. And so they buy it and then we take all these pictures with it and then we posted pictures and I'm like super colorblind, super <laughs> colorblind. So we take these pictures, we post the pictures and her sister at one point goes, she goes, I'm really impressed. I'm really impressed. And I'm like, why? She goes, cause a lot of guys wouldn't wear pink. And I'm like, what? And then the, my girlfriend goes, yeah, it looks good on you. They never fucking told me it was pink. <laughs> so and then they're out there and now I've got the sweatshirt and I, I, I just wear it cause I don't know. But so you drive it around. Yeah, it's it's street legal. It's insured. So so do you do do you, do you drive it aggressively to be like I, it's pink? But I I do. I the one problem with it is obviously if I were to break the law, um, and I was like, oh, I'll just like hide in this driveway. They'll be like, yeah, they called the cops on a pink car, and we're pretty sure this is the you know. It, it's yeah. not like driving a car that it's not like driving a brown Camry. Or you could just be parked or be discreet. So I do, but well, I cars have license plates on them, so it's not like they're all anonymous. No, it's it's true, but you know, you, you could blend in a little bit better in a car that wasn't that particular color. I think. Yeah, fair see, enough. it's funny you say that because I'm like a a serial speeder, and I'm not like I'm a very aggressive driver, and I have a Golf R, which is a sleeper car for most for the most part because it just looks like a Golf, and I love pink, so I would like personally want to like you know, spice it up with some pink, but I'm literally afraid of that thing is that like, I'm a sleeper car right now and I will not be a sleeper car with a bright pink spoiler on, for example. So yeah, yeah, it's a fear of mine. So I don't know how old everybody is here, but I'm 49. Is anybody 49 or older? I mean, you guys aren't obviously. So I've reached the point now, and maybe not you because you know how to do all this crazy stuff with the car. (laughs) I don't speed, man. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I probably drive like five to 10 kilometers under the speed oh, limit God, now. You're one of those. I literally do it <laughs> oh. just to piss people off. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You're the people I aggressively speed past. Yeah. Yeah. People cut me off and stuff. Yeah. I'm like, eh, cause I'm microdose. That's why I think that's one of the things <laughs> it gives you. It, yeah. It gives you a certain like laid back attitude. And I'm like, I don't care, man, because I hate it when you're driving and you come up on somebody and you got to slow down because I don't have one of those fancy things where the car slows down automatically for you. No, those and are I, lame. Yeah. And yeah. I'm usually like listening to an audio book. I usually have a drink. I don't want to worry about that kind of stuff. <laughs> you wouldn't want to spill right? your drink either. Yeah, no, I don't want I don't want I'm not paying attention, right? So if you go a little <laughs> under the speed limit, you don't have to worry about it. That's the benefit of age. I'm not in a hurry. I know wherever I'm going, wherever I'm going. It's a fucking hassle. That's the funny thing. Is like, Whether I'm I, coming to work or I'm going home or wherever I'm going, it's a fucking hassle. The best part of my life is in my truck, listening to an audiobook, having a drink. Well, I actually say to Chris routinely, like, are these people not in a rush to go anywhere? Like, why are they not at least going the speed limit, if not like five to 10 over? Yeah, see, because everyone goes five to 10 over. Because You're you have hope. You, you have hope. No, you still think there's a point I to all of this. I value the time in my life. <laughs> yeah, I know. You think there's a point to everything. It's like, it's like, fuck it. I've got a comfortable chair. You know, I got the little lumbar support, right? Everything's good. I'm like, I want this 10 minute trip to take 35 minutes. <laughs> you know, you know what, Dave? I, 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 I'm ashamed to say that I kind of agree with, I kind of feel where you're coming oh, from. Right I kind of feel it. I, I'm not, I'm not the, I'm not the driving Miss Daisy guy or anything going slow and all, but, but that time, like even on the way here, driving up from Vancouver, I'm like, ah, this is just, this is just 
nice moments is just be in the moment. This is just good right now. I'm just driving okay, along. Yeah, exactly. There's no stress. Exactly. There's you no put stress your, You put it. your music on. Nobody's there to judge you. You know, yeah. it's just me, my wheel. I'm driving along. It's good. Yeah. I'm going to get somewhere. Stuff's going to happen. I'm going to have to do things. Yeah, just right mo- now. Right the now moment I get out of my vehicle, everything gets <laughs> shitty. No matter what I'm doing. No matter what I'm doing. It's never as good as right there. I'm actually going to join you guys in this. When I'm in my sprinter van, I don't know how fast I'm. Probably, I'm probably not 10 under. This is, but, try but 10 under. Just try yeah. 10 under. That's all we're saying. But please put your hazards on and take a little bit to <laughs> no, the right. Don't. Yeah, just stay in the right lane. Just, yeah. I don't do, the left do that lane, in the left right? lane. <laughs> yeah, I don't see, do that. But. See, Dave, you're the dude that I look at while I'm trolling my 20-foot trailer and I'm ripping past you up a hill. I'm like, Look at side, I'm side eyeing you. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, you know what I do. You know what I do because I, I can see you coming in my mirror, right? I see those aggressive guys coming up and they get really close and then they whip out. I know you're going to cut me off, so I make sure that when you pass me, I have my finger in my nose. Ah, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I just want the person as they're driving yeah. by to be like, hey, he doesn't fucking notice. <laughs> uh, so, last thoughts. Was there anything, Megan? Who you're doing a fantastic job as a co-host. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. This is fun, actually. This it is, is really fun. Yeah, she was all worried because she said, "I'm not going to be the person on the podcast. I'm just going to be the co-host." I think you're doing yeah. a great job. Yeah, you're doing a good job. Thank yeah. you. Yes. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, you haven't argued with me. Not that that's a problem, Jen. Jen's. <laughs> oh not yeah, even I haven't a... insulted you yet. Final thoughts. Yeah, that's the funny thing. <laughs> Jen, Jen, who's oh. my normal co-host, she admitted a while ago she doesn't even listen to the podcast. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So she's maybe one... that's the do problem. You, do you listen to it? Do I? Well, aside from editing it, when you're finished editing, do you listen to it? Uh, actually, that's a really good question. That's a really good question. Uh, some of them, not all of them, not all of them. I'm not in love with every podcast, but there are literally podcasts I've listened to over and over and over again. I have this one. Really? Yeah, I have this one where it was a friend of mine, uh, and it's a, a sort of a shorter one. And if I'm, I'm in a bad mood, I listen to it because it's me and a friend. And it's one where Jen was so shocked. It's the Ben Wade podcast, if anybody wants to listen. He's a buddy of mine from Saskatchewan, and she was so shocked about what we were talking about. She didn't talk through the whole thing. What were you talking about? <laughs> oh, see, she hasn't fucking listened to the Ben. No, Wade I haven't. One. I haven't listened to the whole yeah, season. It's I just will admit. it's just two guys from Saskatchewan who haven't talked to each other. Like it was one so of it's the Letter Kenny, basically in a podcast. Kind of, yeah. It was it was okay. one of the the drunk dialing ones. Once Ben Wade, not his real name. Once he got going, he just went right, and we had such a good time. So it turned into its own like episode. Yeah, yeah, no, so some of them. I've listened to probably Brian's a couple times. Oddly enough, I've listened to Marissa Part 2 a couple times. Yeah, some of them are like genuinely I have yet to listen to that one. I couldn't make it through Part 1. So then that's actually, actually, no, sorry, Amanda Part 1 was where I stopped. And now I'm just there kind is, of there is just piecing a, things Amanda through. was like the fourth one. I know. Oh, my God. We've had some pretty good ones. But I also didn't listen to the ones before mine, so I've only listened to like four, so. all right um but do you also listen to the one like so he had one actually it was uh taped here as well where he doesn't remember part of it so do you remember Uh, do you listen to that one just to remember uh, i i listened to it twice yeah yeah we have a funny story um this will be my final thought okay so uh the house so i direct over the housekeeping and the front office departments here and so my housekeeping manager came to me and she said that... Oh, God, this is terrible. <laughs> Please keep this in. Hi, everyone. It's me, Polly, the loose and conversational podcast moderator. I'm going to have to give a hard no to this story. I mean, I am not sure what is wrong with David. We all talked about it. If you want to hear the story, go to our website, 
buy us a coffee and if we know you and you are cool, we will let you listen. This is David at his worst and that, well that is not for the faint of heart. Enjoy the rest of the podcast everyone. So you said you originally got into this because there weren't a lot of black stunt people. Is there now or is that still an opportunity? Uh, there is definitely a lot more black male stunt performers, but there is uh, definitely a growing need for female women of color stunt performers. Uh, and and specifically, you know, drivers and motorcycles, uh, you know, women of color, like because what's happening in film and television is more representations happening more people of color are getting into more key roles, more action roles, different things are happening in the business that now we need to fulfill that spot of being able to have women of color step up and do these pieces of action. And, um, you know, in Vancouver, most of the, the, the women of color are, are busy. They're busy doing stuff all the time. Oh, that's cool. Well, that's good. That's yeah. kind of a good thing, right? Yeah. Like, oh, it's really good. Yeah. It's really that's good awesome. because for so long, it, I start, when I started in the business, there was maybe, there was, there was probably two women of color, um, Braden, who's now retired, and, and, and Natasha was, came up for a while, rest her soul. She passed after the Deadpool situation. Oh, yeah. I, everybody heard um, about that, yeah. Yeah, really unfortunate. She was, she was a fallout from that. And those, and those women, they could never make a living at it. It was, it was they would struggle, you know, and it was wow. just- it was really, and I mean, there was Deb Macatoonpeg as well. There's different women who came and went through the years, and nobody could stick it because more often than not, there just was not enough roles to support them as action performers. Hmm. And uh, now it's now it's changing. It's it's, it's a lot. There's a lot more stuff going on. Oh, cool. Yeah. What about women in general? Are women still underrepresented, or is there still a need for women stunt people in general? I'm going to echo with what Gas said. Is especially women of color as. Mm-hmm. Uh, productions realize that representation is important and the the type of characters that we are showing are more diverse. Women in general, I mean, it's not that long ago. It still happens now and then where uh, they do wigging, which is where they uh, put a wig on a man and have him do a stunt for a woman. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of like the one I mentioned there for Jennifer Moore. (laughs) I put a blonde wig on, which is extremely bad, but it was I just have to explain the situation you a, quickly. You put a blonde wig on? A, a, a blonde wig on, yeah. Probably a very uh, specific stunt, though. Yeah, it was we, – we brought uh, – I had a, a stunt performer come in, uh, one of the, the, the driver that preceded uh, Zandara, and she was sort of the driver of the town. And um, I brought her in to do this gag where she slides a car, hits a hits a sign. It's it's Once Upon a Time. It was the opening, opening sequence in Once Upon a Time. The Volkswagen bug goes down the road, sees a wolf in the road – swerves out of the way of the roof skids into this side boom the door pops open the door the there's a book on the seat it flips through the pages once upon a time opening credits and there we go we're into the show so when we're setting this up i'm the coordinator i'm saying how we can do this and what we can do with the sequence we can swerve the car off and we can slide it sideways and we're gonna hit this hit this sign and knock the sign over the door fly open it'll be great we get there on the day. Well, first we rehearsed it with the car and with, with the performer and everything went fine on the rehearsal. Then we get there on the day and for some reason, things are not the same. I don't know whether it's nerves, the car, the weather, whatever it was, it wasn't happening. And I was like, well, this, this is a problem. I set this gag up. I got to figure this out. Okay. So if you can't do this gag, she was flat out. I can't do this. I jump in the car, grab the brake, spin it around. It seems to work fine for me. I give her another shot at it. She can't do it. I says, okay. I get on the walkie. I says, uh, I, I need uh, hair to get me a blonde wig. <laughs> so they bring the wig in, they put it on, they backlight the, the, the scene so they can't actually see who's in the car. And it's just Lord Lee, she the, the performer did the 
the lead up to the scene where she swerved out of the way of the wolf. But when we did the second part of the sequence where the car had to slide into the sign and knock the sign over and door pop open, that was, I had to jump in the car. Honestly though, that. can you tell, can you tell it's you? If you really look. When I look at it, I'm, I'm like, that's me. But, <laughs> but no, you can't because it's all, it's, it's like there's big lights in the background and it's so dark. You can just see an outline of curly or a blonde wig hair. Uh, yeah, it was, it's yeah. That's awesome. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your story. No, not well, at all. It's a great story. Last question I have before we got to close, because I have to edit this. It's, it's getting long. How did you get the name Zendara? What are you named after? I'm named It's after- a wonderful name, Thank by the way. You. It's a wonderful uh, name. There's a short version. I usually just say, oh, I'm South African, and people accept that. Yeah, but, you, can't, uh, you can't just get uh, this the, the reality is that my mother had a lot of dreams when, I was, when she was pregnant with me, and the name comes from those dreams. Oh, really? Are you, are you the cool. only Zendara you've ever met? Yes. Well, that's it. And your brother's name is Zorio? Yes. And is that primarily a male name? No. Because <laughs> I a- haven't, I had an aunt and her name was Zoria and she was Ukrainian. So yeah. it was from there. No, it, it is, uh, again, my parents made a, they had a list of names, but as the eldest child, they let me pick from a list of like five names and I well, picked cool. the other one with a Z. Okay. So I don't think it's traditionally a male name, but yeah, it suits him well. It's that's so cool. great. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But I got to, I got first pick of nicknames also, so he started going by Z, but then I, I took it. <laughs> so what does he go by? <laughs> now he kind of goes by Zoe or. Okay. Yeah, usually Zoe. That's, I that's cool. Cause so I imagine you've never met another Zendara. I haven't. Have you met another guest on? I have. There's beauty and the beast guest on. Well, I know. That's what I was saying. I was yeah. going to say, was he mm-hmm. French? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I, I've done a couple shows in Montreal and stuff as well. So there's, there's, you know, there's quite a few Gastons out there. I've met lots of Davids. How many stunt people would there be working in the industry in Vancouver? Like 24 or like oh, 200? Like 600. Oh, not, really? not, not full time, but if you go on our list of stunt people for BC, there's probably 600-ish. But out of that, on there. the They're actual not all working, working ones, maybe two? Maybe 200-ish. Yeah. That's still a lot, though. That's still a lot more than I thought it would be, yeah. Maybe not that many. Maybe I that's mean, a lot. But we have something like 60 productions going. At most wow. times. So if, wow. you, if you consider that, and not all of them are stunt heavy and not all of them have mm-hmm. stunt people every day, but there's five or six superhero shows, you know, that employ mm-hmm. probably six people full time in the stunt department. Wow. I remember last time I was in Vancouver, I'm just driving through downtown and it's just Vancouver, Vancouver, Vancouver. And then I drive past this one lot and it's like this like weird dystopian, like wrecked vehicles and crumbled buildings. Mm-hmm. And then Vancouver, Vancouver, mm-hmm. Vancouver. Right. Yeah, it's the craziest thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. Vancouver's a pretty cool place. Is is that the number one place in Canada? Because we all always hear about how Kananaskis and Calgary and stuff like that has a lot of stuff. Does it really, or is it all Vancouver and maybe a little bit of Toronto? Uh, it goes back and forth. Vancouver, Toronto, Vancouver, Toronto. Mon- Montreal gets their fair share of stuff too, but uh, tr- traditionally Toronto has been sort of more of a big feature town and Vancouver has been series town, so a lot of TV stuff in Vancouver. The series, both... Things happen in on both coasts, of course, right? But just predominantly, what is shot there has been Vancouver's been TV series, and Toronto's been you know mm. feature feature land. That's mm. cool. One last note. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, one of another really awesome actor that I worked with was Will Smith. Really, he, he's that guy. Oh. He's that guy. You see him on TV. He's that guy you meet on the street. It's like you know, big smile, shakes, and, and he just wonderful, oh, wonderful. Like all the guy. time. I'm sure it's not that way all the time, but I mean, you know, most of the time when he's sort of, 
you know, interacting with people and, and yeah, most, yeah, oh, awesome. I, I didn't see him have any bad days, you know, um, but I'm sure there were, cause he actually, um, he crashed a motorcycle at one point and, uh, that scared the living out of everybody and actually, which employed me a whole lot more on the show, <laughs> which is a good deal. So, so what show uh, was it that you worked with him on? I robot. Oh really? Yeah. Oh cool. sweet. Yeah, sweet. I did. I did the bike stuff on iRobot. I wasn't a very good oh. double for him to be honest, because he's quite a bit taller than me. But on the bike, yeah, if he's got a bike, you don't know. Yeah. After the crash, they were like, "Okay, we need a stunt guy here with Will to sort of work the business with him," because they'd originally hired a bunch of motorcycle um, sport bike guys, and everybody they went out and did some fast laps out at this out of this uh, location, and uh, and Will figured he'd do some fast laps and and you know show him that he knew how to ride, and that's when the accident <laughs> happened. And he didn't. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, hey, gas, you got a job. So so I would sit around for weeks on end when he was doing you know all these other scenes, didn't want to come see you know do do bike stuff. I would just go out and I'd warm the bike up every day, you know, I'd wheelie down the dock and I'd do some stoppies. So, make so some what, tires what kind of bike great. would it be? That was an MV Augusta. Oh, geez, that's a yeah. nice bike. Yeah, too. it was. It was a high end bike. It was quite expensive, and uh, it was. It was. It was a nice ride. It wasn't the easiest sort of stunt ride, but um, you know, it would wheelie and it would stop stop real well. But you, so. but you made it work. Yeah, you're a professional. <laughs> yeah. The one day we got Will Smith out there to actually work with us after probably three weeks of sitting around doing nothing in the sunshine, hanging out and drink, eating craft service, he comes out. Okay, so Will. We got Gaston here. He's going to show you some some of the ropes on the bike here. And, and uh, But Gas, hey, why don't you go warm the bike up first? Show him, show him what you've been doing. Because every day I'm out there just playing on the bike, right? Having yeah. a great time. So I wheelie down to the end of the dock and then I come back towards, put it on the front nose, stop right in front of Will. I'm like, so yeah, I said, I said so that's how you do it, huh? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, man, you know, you don't need to do that, but you know, we can work on some stuff for you to do too. So do you <laughs> find the actors problem. usually, because I've only met one actor in my whole life. I mean, really met him, and he was an absolutely wonderful human being. Mm. Do actors tend to be yeah, good tune people? Tune into the who, other podcast that? when I was a guest, and we'll talk more about yeah, that. Yeah, talk about more. <laughs> who, but did, who was your Who's your good guy actor or uh, good girl? It's Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, great! He's yes. a fantastic human being. Fantastic yes, human being. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, better than me, far better than me. Mm-hmm. So, do actors and big names tend to be good people, or do they tend to be douchebags? It's every. It's, it's luck of the draw. Everybody's individuals and everybody has bad days. So there's douchebags, is what you're saying. Oh yeah, there's plenty of douchebags. Oh yeah. Well, what they're huge he was saying bags. he had a bad time on a movie earlier. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But if you're meeting them, are they is, are the odds are they going to be good or they're going to be terrible? I feel like Perhaps most you- successful people get there for a reason. Not everybody, but I, I think that there are a lot of. I thought the reason was like, looks. I, I, they're mm. also charming. It's their job to be charming. But I think that at a point, having to be charming with everyone around you at all times probably takes a really large toll on people. Yeah, that's a good point. Because it, it is a lot of their job. And I, I do see that exhaustion in the cast that I work with regularly where sometimes they just want to be left alone, but they're not allowed to say that to anyone because then they'll be an asshole. Well, I, yeah, and I'm, I'm being honest. That's what I'm saying when I, yeah. met, when I met Leonardo DiCaprio. Like I would not have that amount of – I would not be that nice to a complete stranger. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm a nice guy, I think, but to, to go out of my way to blah, 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 I'm like that. that's – something right so and, and that's the thing is is they're all everybody we're all human beings and everybody has good days and bad days so sometimes you know when people are bad giving people bad press 
they might have just been having a bad day you know somebody yeah, they, their true. dog might have died or you know their my gra- bad news about their grandma you know anything could have happened you know what i mean and it's just we're just all going through stuff as human beings well yeah. i'm gonna put a free britney plug in now because i think that like watching the documentary this will probably just, turn the tide putting a free britney plug watch, in but, podcast, yeah. uh, hashtag free britney but no i find that when i watch her story i mean i i lived her through her story i was a huge britney fan and i was like the exact market and age group of the people who followed her career and i remember her collapse and i remember how judged she was and i remember how people were just like oh she's she's so crazy and like she's just going off the deep end and then watching that um documentary and then seeing what's coming out now like every moment of her life like she was getting gas and she had paparazzi climbing on the hood of her car right and so like you said like i think that she was just caught in probably some of the like she was going through divorces and breakups and you know justin timberlake basically threw her under the bus and said that he slept with her when she was not like she was a very christian you know wholesome person and she was her reputation was just destroyed and she was being dragged through the mud and then instead of people just like supporting her and letting her be her and go through those really awkward ages of you know your early 20s when every girl is struggling with your life she was on camera every second of it so you're not going to get the you know all smiles and all laughter you're Mm going to get bad days and hard days i mean we all Mm -hmm. cry in our car at the grocery store sometimes right it just happens so This, this is funny this is a generational difference I've literally never been a Britney Spears fan. I've literally never cared about Britney Spears. <laughs> I watched a documentary and it was like I was it's, so it's interesting seeing how other people are like, oh my God, Britney Spears. And I'm like, I yeah. don't know. Oh my God. Like my heart. She goes had a out couple to her. songs. A lot. She was she's the most successful pop star of ever. Yeah, I don't know about that. No, really. She's more successful than the Beatles. I said pop star. I don't yeah, know the, if they're their the group. They're different. Anyway. That's a different category. Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> this has been the Loose and Conversational Podcast. We thank uh, we thank our guests, Gaston and Zendara. Jen, you're fired. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, we could just talk about it. She's never going to listen. That's true. Like, yeah. She won't know. Listen. Yeah. And thank you, Dave. Thank you, Brittany. Thanks, guys, for coming. Yeah, thanks, Brittany. And thank thanks. you, Chris. <laughs> Thanks, Megan. Alrighty. It's funny because usually when we're recording remotely, there's a speech we give, but we don't have to give it. We can just say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks. Bye, everybody. Toodles. Thanks for keeping it loose with us. Please like and subscribe to our podcast. Check out new episodes weekly and read our blog on looseandconversational.com. Finally, like and follow us on Facebook. I would love to have something from you in my inbox. And then he comes back and he sits down. You hear him sitting down. You hear him and Jen making small talk. And like all this time goes by. And then I show up again and you can hear. I'm like, I'm just like, I'm so fucking loaded. It's humiliating. <laughs> and I sit down and I'm like, make, I'm like slurring as I'm talking and stuff. And then we sort of resume stuff like that. So uh, then t- so take then, up your part. Yeah. So I'm in my office one day 